Indeed, ni wewe tu playing right on Shan FM 99.9. That is Christina Shushu. Tunafanya hisabu, you know. We do the calculations because God has been faithful. He has been amazing. And of course, it's a beautiful morning right here. And it's a little bit cold, but we rarely get to get rain in this county. So whenever it comes, we celebrate and we are most definitely grateful for that. My name is Washaran Disha and this morning I am loved, I am blessed and God has been gracious to me. And this morning we're going to be talking about poultry farming. 
poultry farming for those of us who do not know what poultry farming we're talking about turkeys chicken uh, we're talking about um what is this ducks you know all these kind of birds that we enjoy eating but some some of us don't enjoy having them in our household because they just go and they are just dropping droppings for those of us who know about free range chicken what kienyeji yes so don't worry today get to you know get to understand that of course and it has been daystar environmental week and it still is and in studio with me i have an amazing man who is and na kwambia the kind of people i'm hosting in this studio eh hey, jesus i'm just tapping anointing so anyway he's going to be with me for the next hour he's going to be keeping me company he's the one and only dr jonathan mola jome muona akitembea campus mnashanga what is this person doing you know if you were uh, if you were in chapel on tuesday i believe you got to go, you got to interact with him in some level and i'm hoping that you picked something for yourself even this morning uh, from chapel Oh uh, Thanksgiving chapel I hope that you picked up something from that because in the grand scheme of things we got to be grateful we got to be uh we got to be people who are gracious you know we are loving one another and taking care of one another and in the end of it all we thank God for everything amani haji my people yes yes so on the other end of the studio I'm, I'm I'm done introducing him let him introduce himself atwambie where who is he where is he from what does he do Dr. So I'm going to take issue with you on the cold this morning. <laughs> Let me tell you what, I thought it was really nice for a change. <laughs> oh, you should you should have come here two weeks ago. I tell you what, where I come from, it's been winter for the last four or five months. So, you know, I haven't seen the sun. I haven't seen the warmth. This has been rather nice. I'll be honest. Wow. Here we are thinking like it gets really hot to the point where you like you have to come hide here because there's air conditioning otherwise it's really really extensive and, and I was a little disappointed you turned it off you know for you. I know it interrupts the the taping and stuff but come yeah. on <laughs> maybe maybe after when you're off air we can just have and enjoy and feel good That's and right. relax yes so Dr Jonathan Moore is an extensional poultry specialist at the University of Maryland yeah correct so tell us what how did you end up in poultry for me You know, that's an interesting question. Um, a lot of people have asked me that over the years. I grew up on a small farm in the western part of the United States in the mountains. You know, we had we had a farm and we grew mink. And I don't know if anybody knows what mink are, but you grow them for their skin. They make mink coats, they're very fine. I'm allergic to them. <laughs> so, I was always miserable. And our whole lives we had always had chickens. My family, I can never remember a time we did not have chickens. And we worked closely with a lot of the chicken companies out there, the, the poultry companies. And so over time I just kind of gravitated over and started doing more and more poultry. And when I went to university, I actually started off as business management. I was in accounting, man. I was one of the top students. I was going and <laughs> and one day I looked around at everybody wearing a suit and tie and decided if I keep doing this, I I I'm going to go crazy. So I went and studied animals instead and I've I've actually never regretted going back and studying the animal science and the things where our food comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much happiness in in producing something. Yes, um, it is. Have you ever had a garden? I come from a place where we have we have farms. Everybody lives on a farm, you know. So then you understand. I, I mean, you know it. the joy of going out there and putting something in the grass, seeing mm-hmm. the ground and seeing it come up. And and I think so many parts of our society have lost that joy. And yes. and that's one of the things I really I really want to see more around in over the society in general. Yeah, I think I think in our country there are other underlying issues, but there's no there's no better joy like especially now that it is raining. You know, you your plants oh, yeah. are in there and it's and then there's that sn- very nice the smell. smell of, oh, yes. I was going to say, did you catch the smell when it started yeah. to smell? I was like, I turned outside. Oh. <laughs> the moment it starts raining, it just uh, I saw. <sighs> yeah. Yes. You forget of all the side effects of getting rained on. <laughs> I don't the whole earth is just going. Ah. Yeah. So, speaking of poultry farming, uh, the University uh, of Maryland 
at the College of Agriculture and Natural Resources. What infrastructure is there to uphold and sustain the project? So I guess first off, let's talk a little bit about what Extension is. Mm -hmm. So Extension is a part of our university system, and you actually have that here in Kenya as well. You have Mm -hmm. an Extension service. And what the Extension service does is their whole role is to take what we learn at universities and all the things that we're studying and developing and take it to the farmers and to the people. So we take it from the university to the people. It's our whole role is to take these technologies and help farmers do better. In my case, I'm a specialist. So I specialize in poultry, which means I, I'm kind of rare. Most most county, you know, most, most people in extension are generalists, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of one of those rare ones. And, and my role actually is to do research and education. So a lot of my research involves around, you know, how can we be more efficient? How can we lessen environmental impacts? Um, and the other thing we look at too is now I work with commercial farmers that may have the one farm I work with right now, I think he has 160,000 birds at a time Wow. versus I work with people that have five chickens in their backyard. So there's this huge array of people that we work with across Mm -hmm. the board. So extension we do, we work outreach and that's what you have to look at it. Now our university has some facilities. They have, um, a campus and I'm located about what, 200 kilometers from the campus. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a ways away. So by doing that, I don't really have access to those students and stuff, so I work with farmers. And our our campus faculty, though, but we do have students. I do work with grad students and things Mm -hmm. like that. And and we help them understand how poultry is, is, what it does, and how to help the farmers. That is amazing. Actually, as I was looking, I was doing some research, I saw that uh, you are essentially, uh, sorry, Allow me to get this. You're providing the industry as well as growers in the state of Maryland with practical knowledge about poultry production practices in order to develop, to develop, maintain and operate practically in matters economy, as well as be responsible with environment. And I think that couldn't come at a timely time, you know, during this environmental week. It's all about sensitizing, educating students and our community at large, you know, about taking care of our environment, loving it, you know, doing things that make sure that we sustain it for the future. That is amazing. So... <clears throat> Uh, you didn't tell me what infrastructure do you have when it comes to sustaining that. Well, we're interested. I'm, I'm cast on the word infrastructure. What do you mean? I mean, we do have a research farm on campus where we mm-hmm. can do small research trials, but mm-hmm. most of my research is done on farms. Ah. So I will go out and work with farmers, and we'll put in different things and, man- and management techniques, and say, "Will this work? Will that not?" Mm-hmm. One of the things we've done in our country now, our farms are much larger. Mm-hmm. And there's reasons for that. Part of it is cost and, and a lot of different things. I wouldn't recommend that for this country at this point, <laughs> but it may be that way down the road yeah. as you develop it and move along. Yeah. But one of the things we do, all our farmers have to have a stormwater or a water plan to prevent any nutrients from their farm going into the rivers. So, for example, on a farm, if the rain comes down, it's going to wash into the middle of what we call a swale, which is a grassy area which captures the water. Then it'll funnel it down into another area where the water has a lot of plants that can pull any nutrients out before it goes into a pond. Mm -hmm. And that pond, if it ever overfills, then would actually have an access to the waterway. But we design it so that doesn't happen. We design it so that can only happen if there's a really, really large storm because we want to protect the environment from all these these nutrients that that have the potential to come out. Mm-hmm. As most of our birds are raised indoors, some of them have outdoor access, but they still are raised mainly indoors. So most of the feces and most of the nutrients that they're going to expel are contained inside. And we can then capture those and then apply them in a manner that's not going to be environmentally detrimental on farms. So our farmers have what they call a nutrient management plan. So mm. if you're a farmer, you come from a farming background, you know mm, this. Yeah. You're going to talk and you're going to have a plan that says, I can only put so much nitrogen or phosphorus on my land. True. All our farmers have those. So then that manure goes to a farmer that can utilize it. 
So therefore, we're watching so that we don't get these buildups of nutrients that can then wash into our waterways and cause problems. That is amazing. And of course, when it comes to nutrients, uh, when it comes to chicken droppings, there's a lot of things that uh, contribute to that. You know, of course, the diet of the chicken. And we're going to be getting to, we're going to, we're going to be talking about this after a very short break. You're going to enjoy some Kenyan music. You know, it's, it's about good vibes. Yes, we're going to take a very short break and don't touch that dial. Indeed, Ukim Signo Haezi Igno. Kwanini, you know, he's the one. He's God, he's loving, he's your father, he's your... He takes care of you, he looks up to you. you know? That is Chris A. Bava right here on Channel FM 99.9. My name is Vasher And this beautiful morning, we are with the one and only... John Moyle. <laughs> <laughs> Did I do that plain enough for you? 
<laughs> it was it was exactly on cue. Yes, and this morning you're talking about poultry farming. Yes, mambo ya cook. I love chicken wings, so I'm I'm taking tips. Yes, uh, so most importantly, there are of course chicken. They have a certain there's a way to feed them, and in our country we have noticed that certain feeds are do not have the same productivity levels. Uh, uh, also, so what is the diet of these birds like, or what do you recommend? Well, you know that's that's going to be a very difficult question to answer, <laughs> and, and I say that because what do you have? And, and one of the things I want to tell people to do is use your resources. You know, there's no sense going out and spending a lot of money or doing something if you can do it another way at home. You know, don't go out and buy an expensive, you know, chicken feeder. You've got a jug at home. Cut it in two. You've got a feeder. Yes. So, again, use what you have. Do what you can afford. Don't go into debt. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing. Second, most corn – I'm not corn. Most diets are formulated with maize and soybeans. And that's just pretty much worldwide. However, that doesn't have to always be that way. What other objects do you have? I mean, you can replace the maize with millet or sorghum, you know, sorghum, millets. Those will replace the maize. Or you can replace the, the soybeans with green grams or other local beans. So, again, look at how you do things. But remember, when using legumes, like if you can eat it raw and you get sick, right? Yeah. Okay, your chickens will too. <laughs> so it's a simple rule. If you eat it raw and your chickens do, so will you. Sure. So simple rule. So a lot of your, pro- your protein sources, such as your uh, beans and stuff, you have to heat treat them first. All right. And what is, the, what is your advice on feeding time? Also, what is the environment like? So feeding time. I, you know, personally, if you're chickens, I give them food all the time. They never stop eating. My no, mom well, says they stop eating when the food is done. Right. <laughs> just, just, just give them enough. But it depends on what you're trying to do. Yes. If you're trying to do a village type chicken thing where you're just going to supplement their feed a little bit, that's mm-hmm. one thing. So you throw a handful of corn, something out. That's one thing. Versus if you're actually trying to use it as a business, you're going to want to get a diet that's formulated so that they're going to grow quickly or lay a lot of eggs. Mm-hmm. And those, those actually take a little bit more work and effort to put into. However, like all things, what you put in, you get out. Sure. And, and that's the one thing I want everybody to understand. You can't just go out and say, oh, my village chickens, I want them to produce more. It's not going to happen. They're already at capacity. The only way they're going to produce more is if you put more resources into it. All right. So what you're suggesting is for free-range chicken, that is Kenyaji chicken for those who don't get that one. Free-range chicken, uh, those are the chicken that you just let them eat whatever. They go out in the grass and they eat even rocks and everything. Uh, so for that, we have to supplement <laughs> But that we have to supplement their feeds and just because we can't, we don't, we, need, we, we don't really expect so much from them, yeah? Well, we don't. But at the same time, I, I find it really interesting. People do use them kind of as a resource that, you know, the kids need money for school. We're going to sell some of the chickens yes. and we're going to do this. My advice on that is never sell your best chickens. As I've worked across the world, I've, I've seen a lot of places, everybody, oh, we need to pay a bill. We're going to sell our best chicken to get the most money. Well, you're better off keeping your best chicken selling two of your crappier ones because Mm -hmm. then you're going to get the same money, but you're keeping your best genetics because you always want to keep your best chickens to get the best genetics. That is awesome. So, and now when it comes to, uh, in our country, we have free-range chicken, we have layers. Mm -hmm. We just put them, especially for laying eggs. And of course, we get feeds that are formulated to help better the quality of the eggs. And we have broilers. We just keep them mainly for meat consumption. Now you're making me hungry. We should get chicken after this, yeah? I'm telling you, I'm thinking the same thing. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, uh, when it comes to that, uh, uh, unfortunately, our chicken, they they meet some kind of diseases. And actually, as we were talking earlier, when we met, there has been an outbreak of a highly pathogenic avian influenza in Delaware. Right. Good job on highly pathogenic (laughs) avian influenza. So yeah. first off, that is actually something that we do have in Africa in many places, and it has hit in Kenya. I don't, I haven't checked. I haven't seen it recently. I did see some in West Africa recently that have been hit. But what it is, it's a disease 
that it's a respiratory disease and it basically just kills all your chickens. Um, and it's highly contagious. So oh. in my country, when you find it, we kill all the birds. We euthanize them and we dispose of them so that we don't spread the disease. That's sad. <laughs> well, that's an interesting question. And I get that. And I agree with you. Yeah. But is it sad if I don't do it, I let all the other birds get sick and die? No, that's not sad. No, that's reasonable. I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And it's a disease that's almost impossible to get rid of because wild shorebirds and, and ducks, mm -hmm. they harbor it. They have it. They live naturally. They don't have a problem in the world. They fly around. So you have a duck that then Africa goes up to Europe that mixes with some that are in Eurasia or it flies across into America. So it's spread around the world and it's spread by waterfowl. And we have not had it like this in the United States for, for several years. And now it's back. And so... The, the bad thing for me is this is in the state next to mine, and literally the driveway into the facility where this is is in my state. Wow. And so my phone has been blowing up the last couple of days in the evening with everything going on back home, and, and I feel really bad because the last thing I said to one of my one of the ladies I work with is, is just watch. I'm going to be in Africa when it hits. Oh. And she called to tell me, yeah, guess what? It just happened. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's, it, but we'll be okay. You know, there's there's a disease response team, and they're responding to it. We have our our county agents are working with this, our specialists, and, and we'll we'll work with the government and uh, the federal government, the state government's working on it. They're the ones, in, you know, in the federal government. So we'll just play our roles, and it'll be okay. Yeah, I also when I was doing my research, I came across that uh, there are diseases like foul cholera and foul typhoid, and my concern was uh, with avian influenza, as you're saying, it's a really big problem, and not all kinds of birds can die from it but it can affect other kinds of birds and it can be a huge risk are there vaccines are there preventative measures for this not for avian influenza oh, avian no. influenza does not have a vaccine however some of the others that you did mention do foul cholera foul pox a lot of those have different ones the disease you're probably going to have the best the worst time with here in africa is actually going to be newcastle disease and Newcastle disease hits all across this part of the world. It's endemic to here and to Asia. And you have to vaccinate for it. So a good vaccination program will, will prevent all the issues that you're going to have. We've seen it several times. And you'll see it in the village flocks that, you know, so every once in a while, most of the chickens just die. And that goes back to a disease coming through. And the mm -hmm. problem with it, though, is it's extremely hard to tell without a laboratory. Is yep. it avian influenza? Is it foul cholera? Is it, you know, is it Newcastle? It's, oh, you know, no. if you look at them in the field, they all look the same. So you really have to have a good laboratory, and you're, and you're lucky that you're one of the states in Africa, states, countries in Africa, <laughs> sorry about that, you're one of the countries in Africa that does have a great agricultural system. That is amazing. Now, that is very unfortunate for small-scale farmers because in our country, most persons who do free-range chicken, it's just mainly 10 or 20 or 50 at most just for, you know, something to keep someone busy or just as you said, just maybe sell it in case they need quick cash or something. Uh, that brings me to uh, poultry farming in as much as it is relatively one of the low risk environmentally, uh, it's, it's relatively the most environmental friendly uh, form of farming. Uh, it does contribute to a lot of global warming. Actually, feed production contributes to about 70% of global warming. We have manure management, which contributes to 40 to 60% of eutrophication and acidification. So how do we mitigate the environmental, pro uh, the environmental risks that poultry farming poses? Well, we're lucky because poultry are one of the least you know, like you said, yeah. damage the environment. And and we are lucky, too, that, you know, they don't produce the methane. One of the things about, like, your your chows and stuff like that, they have that methane belch and, and stuff like that, which are mm -hmm. causing all the methane increases, and that's one that's been very detrimental. Poultry, on the other hand, is probably the least car, or the least, uh, how to say that right? 
It has the lowest carbon footprint of all the different livestocks that we produce. Mm -hmm. And especially if you use some of the modern breeds. I know everybody talks about flavor, and I'm not going to go down that road because, you know, there's there's a lot you can do. There's a time and a place for all of it, in my opinion. Yes. But when you look at a modern broiler and what they can do and the way they're producing food, for example, right now we're running about uh, one, you know, conversion, feed conversion, taking food, you know, poultry food, making it to meat is running about 1.7 pounds of food to a pound of meat. So that's really good. We can't touch that with the other livestock. Pigs are pretty good. They're in the two to three range if you use a very good diet. Mm -hmm. But if we look at like the local breeds, some of those are taking seven pounds of feed to get a pound of gain. Mm -hmm. So when we start looking at this whole, you know, utilizing resources, it gets really, you know, it gets really kind of complicated. But, you know, it's great. And I don't ever want to see the local breeds disappear. So please don't ever say I say that because I think <laughs> I, I, I got the chickens because of the color and the beautiful birds. And now yes. I deal with is all these white birds that are uniform and look the same. <laughs> it is boring, man. Yeah. Sure. Or you go into layers and all brown birds now look the same. Come on. Mm. Let's just get something colorful. Get color in there. Exactly. <laughs> so, again, I never want to see them go away. Mm-hmm. And they'll always have their role. But again, if we're looking at feeding, that's what talk we had the other day. Are we talking about feeding people? What are we talking about? What is our goal? And we have to have that in mind. Mm-hmm. And, and the way we have to have a plan of how we're going to go forward. For example, in layers, a lot of layers are put in cages. If I'm trying to feed people and keep my food safe, absolutely the best way in the world to go. Environmentally, awesome. I can collect that manure and utilize it any kind of way I need to. Sure. But is that best for bird welfare? No, it's not. So, I mean, so what's my goal? If, if my goal is to feed people and I have hungry people, that's probably the way I would look at it. If I have people that are better off and we're not as hungry, that's probably not the route I'm going to go down. So we have to match the production system to the environment that we're in. And those will change over time. When I was young, I remember them telling them to put birds into cages because when we put birds into cages, we have less disease. We have less problems with food safety. We have mm-hmm. all these great reasons to put them in cages. Yes. And now in my country, we're taking them back out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not wrong. And I'm not saying what's right or wrong in any of this. Yeah. Uh, but again, it comes down to what do you want to do? By the way, on food safety, everybody, cook your food. Cook your food. And on that note of cooking your food, um, this chicken talk is making me very, very hungry. I'm craving chicken meat now. So we're going to take a very short music break. And once we get back, we get to know more about economic sustainability. And of course, Lazma Tujue, can we be having chicken every single day right here, Deshda? Is it possible? Yes? All right. If I were you, I would not touch that dial. I 
Indeed, we have to enjoy and celebrate everything that we get because God is amazing. And this morning, he has been amazing to us. We are alive. We are happy. We are blessed. my people, yeah? That is DJ Kilo with... I cannot pronounce this, but it's in Piloya. You know, you love the song. We love dancing to it. Anyway, my name is Vashar and this is right on Sean FM 99.9. And in studio, I am with the one and only... John. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> it boring every time. Come on, man. <laughs> but what you said made me think of a movie. Do you, remember, do you remember the movie The Croods? The Croods! What does the grandma say every morning when she wakes up? <laughs> I'm alive! <laughs> it surprises her every single morning. And the dad's always bummed, but that's besides the point. I just, when you said that, it just came to mind. I'm sorry. That, that, that's that's the whole point. You don't have to apologize for it. That's the whole point of our, our everything that we do. We have to be vibrant and celebrating and just be big. Like, go big. Sometimes you get to a point you cannot go as big. So, yes. Uh, speaking of back to our poetry, okay, this 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 topic is making me extremely hungry, my peeps. Okay, what's your favorite way to eat a chicken then? I love my chicken wings. I love, love chicken, chicken wings. wings. What what kind of sauce? Barbecue. Barbecue. I love barbecue. You don't like sauce. the you don't like the buffalo. No. You don't. No. Uh, there's there's a way they make it here. Uh, there's some places that make them a little bit sticky, but it's so saucy. Yeah, but you get just, so you get so sticky when you get them sticky. <laughs> yes, and you just want to lick everything. You know, you just want to chew in the bones. It's 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 it's, it's, it's amazing. And most most people, I don't chew eat in the bones. Bits. I get the chew in the bones, it. man. I you do get, get the chew in the bones. Yeah, if they're doing it very well and the sauce just gets into in there and oh. Okay. Thighs or breast? Hmm. Depends. If I'm grilling or pan fried, then I'll do the breast. If I'm having a salad or something. No, uh, never. If, it's always thighs. You're wrong. You, you, <laughs> like you lost I'm, it. You've already just, lost it. No, no, no. it depends. Because if, if, if I'm doing a, a pan fry or if I'm grilling, the breast is easier. It's easier to season and it goes well with the salad. Okay, you're right. Because it, it doesn't have a lot of flavor. Yes. So it'll absorb the seasoning. You nailed it. <laughs> I, and I, I agree with you on that, but I'm still going with the thighs because I just like the thighs better. The thighs. You should have free range thighs. Like, I have. Oh, they're so big. Yeah. And it's like a turkey. You just... I've, I've had them. them like I said this is my fourth trip to Kenya I've had chicken almost every time I had thighs last night now you're making me even more hungry oh man they were good I don't know what she cooked them with but she had some <laughs> rice, roasted potatoes with them and mm -hmm. some oh, onions and, and peppers oh it was awesome how do you like your chicken you know I don't really have a favorite way uh, I'd have to say if I had to pick a favorite though it would be pollo la brasa which is uh, Ecuadorian Peruvian barbecue 
and, and they grill it. It's kind of an outdoor grill where they grill it on a spit and they turn it over coals. And if you do it right, it's just got that flavor coming up. And I don't know what they season it with. I, I could have said I was, I don't know. But my secretary, and they have sauces. And they have oh, a God. green sauce that I will kill for almost. <laughs> but uh, my, my secretary let me know last night that they'd had a manager's meeting at one of the farms and they were mm-hmm. serving that and they brought me all the extra green sauce. So I've got it sitting in the fridge when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> you can't wait to go back home. Oh, I'm, I'm, well, yeah, I can wait. It, it's, it'll be there. I'll be okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really enjoying Kenya. I have to say, Kenya is the first country I met, I went to outside of the Americas. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt welcome and warm in Kenya. And it's, I, like I said, this is my fourth trip here. And I, I tell you what, if you invite me back, I'll come. I, I have no reserve ever whatsoever to come. I'm trying to convince my wife to come. Anytime. We are lovely people, very hospitable. Very rude, but we are very hospitable. Very rude. <laughs> <laughs> How is rude it's and hospital a, going together? Um, I think it's a, a contradictory, like, it's a very contradictory personality we have. We're not the most polite people. Hey, you I tell you what, or- if you're blunt, I like that. <laughs> Just say it like it is and be done with it. <laughs> We're not the most polite people. We would always say thank you and sorry. But when you come into a home, we'll cook for you. We'll make sure you're well. You have your tea. You have a nice place to live. Like, we'll, we'll, we are very warm people. But out there, I think I think has to do with the struggles we encounter just as Kenyans. So just I, I'm going to say this. I, in all my travels around the world, I have found the people with the less are the most grateful and the most hospitable. Yes. And it sounds sounds a little bit different, but I've I've been in some places where, you know, you're they invite you in, they're going to give you food, but they don't have food for themselves. They're going to give you their food. And that's just it's hard. I, I become allergic to a lot of things real quick. We're off topic. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I love some. T- I love it when conversations sometimes divert. Means you're having a great time. Uh, so, um, just talk. Uh, just let us know how can we integrate sustainable poultry farming at our compass. So now, this is something we touched on a few times. What is your purpose to having poultry here? Mm. What is I would it? say one would want to eat chicken as frequently as we could because <laughs> you're, you're definitely ready for lunch <laughs> very prepared can we place an order please <laughs> please can we can for we the next chick- song we have some wings yes just something very well done just just give me chicken even if it's no wings I'll still appreciate just chicken um. <laughs> but you need to think about what the purpose is the first and foremost what is a university for mm-hmm. what is it for our, our, what is it for in terms of what what why did the university exist? For to educate, to have so a education community. is your first thing. Yeah. So, what is the first reason and purpose to have a chicken farm on this campus? Hmm. I still go with it too. <laughs> Man, I'm leading you to this. You can't. <laughs> I was to go with the team because I'm gonna go back. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. <laughs> no, I think that's one of the first and foremost is we need to train students. Yes. But the other thing is is we can generate knowledge. Universities generate knowledge is another thing that they do. You look at and you've mentioned it. We've talked about poultry feed and our local farmers, we always tell them use what you have because poultry feed's expensive and with the problems in the world today, it's only getting worse. So farmers using their local feed is very good, but we don't know what those are. So if you have a university here, you're able to check and see the look, we can feed this mm-hmm. versus that. This is better than this. And you'll be able to generate information that can therefore go out and help your local communities. At the same time, you're going to train students. And the best part about it is by doing it this way, you can train students not only on how to grow chickens, mm-hmm. but how to do research. Statistics. Look at all the different things you can learn just by growing chickens. 
And so it's one of those ways to help kids get hands-on education that's applicable to a lot of parts of life. Mm -hmm. And if we look around today, one of the biggest problems we have in life is people don't understand science. Sure. I mean, look at all the problems and the myths and everything going on with this whole COVID thing. Yeah. People say this, and one day the science says this. One side of science, you know, you hear this all the time. People don't know how to interpret science. By having kids, I call you kids, I'm sorry, young adults, I apologize. <laughs> you guys are all younger than my kids. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those type things. Mm-hmm. But if you have a, a way to do the research, to understand how things go, you then understand how to interpret science better. Sure. And you can make your own informed decisions about what's best for you. That is amazing. In my head, I'm doing the math. We are mainly a communication student, a communication campus, where and the kind and the programs that we have they don't really include agriculture and why not? But I th- so that that's that's why my point of eating because we really need chicken, just accessible. Okay, I chicken. want you to go look <laughs> on my, go look at my computer. In big words, on my computer, it says no farms, no food. True. Everybody eats. It's like one of the sayings I think in my country is you know. You need a preacher once, you need a lawyer once, but you need a farmer every day. Absolutely. And I think that's so important. And if you're a communication school, what better place not to have agriculture? You have the ability now to take this information and then put it out to the community. You could start programs to help people to understand what they can do. I look around and we see all these new houses and you mentioned people are living in smaller places. Yeah. Gardening. My daughter just moved to a new job and she's in a town and, and she has a little, well, your room is bigger than her back porch. But if you go out there, you will find every spring she plants plants, she puts in pots and she has them all around her porch. Why? Because she's got it. Well, one is she was raised that way. We've always had a garden. You have a garden. I don't care. My kids, you have to have a garden. But but she gets that and she's taking it now to that next level where even though she doesn't have access to land, she does have a patio. And because she has that patio, she has the opportunity to grow something. Is she going to be able to grow, make a big dent? Mm-hmm. Eh, not really. But it's that, that pride, that joy that we talked about earlier, yeah. seeing something come up. And then having that. I mean, come on. Does anything taste better than a homegrown fruit? No, it doesn't. Even, I mean, it doesn't. doesn't even come close. No. What about corn fresh off the cob? Oh. Fresh off the stock. Going out there and grabbing it in the field? It's so gratifying. You nailed it. So looking at that, trying to teach that to people, even when we live in cities, we still need to get that back to people. We put parks, parks there to represent nature. Yeah. Why not help them try? And we're seeing a lot of cities now that are going to urban agriculture where we're putting in you know, city gardens and taking mm-hmm. blocks that are vacant and making them to gardens because people are starting to feel that need to touch back to nature. Mm. I know I'm off topic again. <laughs> I, I'm really good at that. If you want, we can go to dating techniques at all universities. I mean, I, I mean, next uh, next time. I mean, I'm telling you, we don't we don't have to talk about chicken all the time. We can also talk about other things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, there is something about. Uh, Okay, of course, now that gets us to understand how we can benefit from this because I'm actually thinking and some of our listeners are key people who can make these kind of decisions and that is a good thing because I feel like most of our chicken we consume at the compass is outsourced and this would actually benefit the compass maybe deal with some of the food, uh, the, the food that remains, the waste that we have. We can have find a way to you integrate that. You just brought that. up something very important. Sure. Waste. When we process chickens, what are you going to do with it? Because you are going to have some guts. I mean, I mean, have you got a composting facility? Are you mm-hmm. doing those? Those are all great green things. Are you already composting the excess food waste coming off of your cafeterias? All of these things are, partic- are really good for the environment. What are you doing? So we can tie all these together and make it into more of a, a sustainable, you know, a big sustainable picture. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to challenge even farther, and that is as students, to look for ways to work with the birds. Maybe be one of the people, maybe try and be the caretaker. You know, maybe that's going to be your job for a while. I personally, 
my undergraduate, I shoveled chicken manure every day of the week. I gathered eggs and shoveled manure. That's how I put myself through college for several years of my undergrad. So it's not a bad way to go. You know, yeah. my, my little sister, she worked in the cafeteria. My other little mm -hmm. sister, she was the one that cut the grass. Mm -hmm. So, you know, look for ways to be involved and give back to your university. It just hit me. Imagine having it on your CV that I, during my time in Daystar, I was picking chicken. Uh, I was shoveling manure, chicken manure, and getting eggs. That would make your CV stand out. Anyway, we're going to take a very short break and once we get back, we're going to get to know a lot more uh, Matters poultry. I see our time is, you know, somewhere on the verge. It's exactly 47 minutes past 11 in the a.m. right here in Art River. And Shana Firm, 99.9, do not touch that dial. If you do, anyway, there's nothing I'm going to do, but I'll be disappointed. Yo, what's up? This is your boy Patrick Salvador, man from Mbokolo. And I just want to introduce this video and the dancers and the dancers who are in it. Check out who graced our video, Chiki Bombe, by my son, Levinson. Fire, fire, oh, gospel music, we fire, oh, we know retire, oh. Woman, you're too bonge. If you know your dollar, you don't know your dollar, you don't know your dollar. 
Dance to the beat to the flow everywhere. That is Chiki Bombay by Lexi, Lexi Von. Ah, Levixon, sorry. Uh, my name is Vashan Andishi right here on Shan FM 99.9. It is exactly 51 minutes past 11 in the a.m. Apa the river to number two kuta pataka sola. Like in equi, just minimized, you know. Yes, and in studio with me, I have the one and only... John Moyle. This is, is that you, better? You isn't I, I, into I, it. Come on. It's just, I don't, you should be introducing me, not me introducing me. No, we're supposed to be having a conversation. We well, we are fun. about how your lack of introducing <laughs> me is affecting my... <laughs> but it's getting easier, right? No. <laughs> but you're doing better. Wow, thanks. It might not be getting easier, but you're doing better. Yes, yeah, someone told me yesterday that the, um, the, the, the appreciation of good work is more work. So... You're doing better, so I'm going to keep doing it more. <laughs> That's sad. So, yes. You just says you're lazy. That's all. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> so all right, back I'm, to uh, chickens. Yes, back to the chickens. <laughs> now, we've been talking about the chicken over and over again. Uh, and we're missing one. And we've talked about meat. We've been craving meat for. Anyway. So, <laughs> the most uh, there's something very important we're missing out. The eggs. All right. What's your favorite very, way to eat it? Hmm. I'm not a big fan of eggs, actually. Oh, come on. I guarantee you eat eggs all the time. You don't realize it. Um, Cake or brownies. They all have eggs in them. So I tell everybody my favorite way to eat hmm. eggs is cake. I don't like eggs. I don't like big goods. I I like my free-range eggs. Can you tell the difference? Yes. Yes, I must. For someone who grew up on a farm, I can most definitely okay. tell the difference. I did, too. And here's the funny thing. If I cook the eggs, have a chef cook eggs, and we put you in a room where you can't see color, mm-hmm. you can't tell them apart. There's a taste. There's a taste. We've done this test over and over again. I, I, I want to try that one. I really want to try that You're one. You're just like my buddy. He says it too, and he failed the test. That's okay. I, because I noticed, I noticed when you, if you fry them or make an omelet or scramble them, the um, the layer egg has a very watery very indistinct it's it's not as yellow it's not as colorful i agree i'm not gonna argue with you on that besides the color besides the color there's the taste you can feel the egg white separately from the yolk it has a very watery watery taste i'm gonna disagree well the eggs aren't here (laughs) but that might be also because of the storage which gets us into a very important question sure and that is how should you store your eggs because if they're stored improperly you are going to see some of that egg quality just you know, deteriorate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of what people see when they start talking about, oh, the farm eggs taste better because it's fresh. You're getting it right then versus if something's not stored properly, you know, like any food, it starts to go a little bit eh, wonky. Yep. So again, what we want to tell people to do when you get your eggs, if you can refrigerate them, refrigerate them. If they're clean, just put them in the refrigerator. Don't worry about it. If you have to wash them though, because they're dirty, you need to make sure you wash them in water that's warmer than the egg. Because what happens if you use cold water, the egg will suck the water into it. And if there's mm. any bacteria on the shell, it'll suck it into the egg. So if you use hot water, it'll pull everything out. So you'll clean those pores out that egg has pores because think yes, about it, it, it has a lot of pores. Yep. So it's going to clean those pores out and get the bacteria out. 
So think if you're going to wash, and then you have to refrigerate if you wash. If you don't have a refrigerator, put it in the coolest part of your house where you know the temperature doesn't fluctuate much, just the coolest place you can. And don't wash because if you wash them, when chick- eggs are laid, the last thing that's put on is called the bloom or the cuticle, depending yes. on what you want to call it. And that is anti- antibacterial. Mm-hmm. So when you wash the egg, you're taking that off. Mm-hmm. So if you can prevent washing them, shoot, no. You know, I grew up, we never washed eggs unless they're really dirty. And, yeah. You know, honestly, if they're really bad, we gave them to the dog. But <laughs> well, we got to feed the dog too. Yeah, but, sure. But again, we would put them in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, you can leave them on the counter if you're going to use them later that day. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to save them for a day or two, try and refrigerate them if you can. Yes, and we missed something about how why are eggs important? You know, and that is, a, I'm glad we went back to this one because you and I talked about it earlier off yes. off air. And that is, eggs are very nutritious. They're actually the protein that we compare every other protein to. Yes. And so in doing that, they're very important in diets. And if we look around the world, especially in developing countries or among poor people and stuff, and that is when, when kids stop nursing, when mm-hmm. mom stop nursing the child and they're going on to foods, mm-hmm. we need to get high quality proteins and fats into the diet of those kids so they get the proper brain development. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's extremely important that we get eggs in their diets. And we've seen that even one egg a week can make a big difference in the diet of a, of a, of a you know, what do you call a toddler growing up. So it's it's a way to do it, too, because it's cheaper. If you think about it, it's kind of hard to buy a chicken. Chicken's kind of expensive for a family, yes. let's be honest. Yes. But we can afford to buy some eggs. And if we can put those eggs in the diet so that we have them there, maybe not a lot at a time, but we're still getting those nutrients and able to develop and, and mature the way that we need to. Brilliant. Uh, now, what recent uh, researches uh, are there in matters to do with poultry farming and what do we need to improve as well as what is the future of poultry farming? You know, that's, yeah, I don't know what the future of anything is. <laughs> <laughs> well, God knows I don't. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sure. Um, you know, I, I would say the thing I would I would do is, and if you look at researchers, we have people that research animal welfare. Mm -hmm. So they look at the welfare of birds. We have people that all they do is nutrition. All they do, and they can talk about amino acid profiles and all this stuff to make your head turn. We have other people that look at immunology. How does the the immune system of the animal or the bird work? And I just saw an awesome talk the other day that was so good. I've got to go back and rewatch it. Mm -hmm. Um, But you look at all these. The researchers are looking at all these different things. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm a generalist. Mm -hmm. I know a little bit about all those. I used to be specializing in reproductive physiology, but since I moved to Maryland, I, I don't work with that section anymore. I work mainly with just growing broilers. So my mm-hmm. whole thing is how can we grow broilers more efficiently? And like you said, with the environment, because mm-hmm. that's such an important thing as we're going forward in today's world. Okay. So maybe you may not be able to tell us what's the current, uh, what's the future of poultry farming, but what is, what's the current state of poultry farming and what are your recommendations? I think poultry is still continuing to grow. Uh, as countries become more wealthy, we see a larger middle class. We see that here in Kenya. Yes. I mean, I, heck, man, I see more cars on the road. The first time I was here 10 years ago, man, yes. 12 years ago. <laughs> crap, it's been a while. I'm getting old. Um, just look at the way things are growing and how the people are actually prospering. I think it's awesome. I yes. think people are much more affluent. Yeah. And I think that's great. And, and poultry can fit that niche. Like we talked about earlier, they are, when we go to proteins, one of the lowest carb or lowest carbon you know, emitters. So we yeah. see that they're more friendly than, say, some of the others, like uh, beef and, and some of the others. But that says I still like my steak. I'm going to go with you. But <laughs> but I see that as a way to go. I see that Kenya is going to continue to have it. And I will see there's always going to be a local bird demand. Mm-hmm. And so low, grazing local birds is always going to have a demand. 
But at the same time, it takes so much more food. When you're starting to feed a larger society, we need to start looking at ways to improve those breeds. So they're they're more efficient. Mm -hmm. All right. And what would you say is the greatest challenge when it comes to poultry farming? Is it the diseases? Is it the environment? Is it the demands? Is it the things that it requires? What would you say is the biggest challenge? And how do we mitigate that? You know, diseases is always a challenge. And, and that's the first one, again, because of the problems I've got going back home. That's the mm, first one that comes yes. to my mind. Yeah. But I think as we're going down the road, let's let's be brutally honest. Right now, the, the world's kind of a little bit wonky. Mm. And we're seeing some stuff take place in other parts of the world that are going to affect us here. Yes. And, and we're going to see feed prices continue to go up. It's I've, I'm watching the markets back home. They're, go, they're going crazy. Mm -hmm. And I, that worries me. And it worries me a lot because I'm going to be fine. I'm, I'm, my country's rich. We'll be fine. But I worry about poor countries. I really worry about poor people in poor yes, countries. Yes. And that sounds crazy. That To me, that's just been on my mind a lot lately. Because as prices go up, I mean, so I pay a little bit more. But to them, that's a lot more. Yeah. And when they don't have a lot, that's very worrying to me. Um, I think the best thing we can do right now is help each other. We need to be out there working together and, and finding ways that we can help one another. All right. Uh, what would you, what would your tidbit or advice or recommendation to someone aspiring to get into poultry farming, especially in this country? I would do it. I think there's a lot of potential in the future. I, I would get some internships. I would work with some of the local people that are very productive. We have some great resources in the area. We visited a great farm the other day. She was fantastic mm -hmm. and, and offered a lot of great advice to, to your professors because yeah. we went there with them so they would meet and learn these people learn these people know these people mm. and and these things are important and i think go out work at the research farm that's ha what happened to me i was working on the farm and i switched from accounting to that just because i was having more fun and yeah. it's it's made a life for me and there's no i, I wouldn't change it let's put it that way I, if i had changed and gone back i wouldn't be here today and that that would be yes. sad that, yeah that would be sad. i don't know you, you're very fun i would not have met you <laughs> so what is the most interesting thing about chicken that Ooh, we do not know there's a few things about chicken um, first off, they are the lo most numerous domestic animal that we have. Mm -hmm. I think the last time I read the numbers, we eat about 55 billion chickens a year. Wait, what? Yeah. 55 billion chickens a year is what we eat. That doesn't count for eggs or village chickens. That's just the meat chickens, broilers. Wait, what? 55 billion chickens a year is what the world consumes in broilers. Wow. My country alone is over 9.2 billion. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot of wings. I know I can see you drooling. Okay, so just, there was more than just wings there. All right, they only have two wings on a bird. If we need to make one that has four wings just for you, I understand. But wow. but the other thing is, is they come in so many different colors and varieties. Yes. I mean, there are some that I mean, they have meat that's black. There's I mean, there's it's just there's cool things. I mean, they come in all these different colors. In fact, that's traditional in Asia. It's considered medicinal. So we actually have breeds that are developed to, to grow faster for those markets because they want to eat those. It's a black skin, black meat, black bones, everything. They're really kind of, they're really cool to grow. We grew them uh, for a research project at one point. So they come in every color. And I think that's so important. And, and I say the last thing I want to share with you is this. People are like eggs. You look at me funny. Yeah, I'm looking at okay. you funny. I'm, you I'm can stuck get, at black chicken. That's my favorite color and my favorite meal all in one. Tell you what, so. find them. But, <laughs> but, 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 but eggs come in all colors, don't they? Yes. They come from dark brown. They come all the way to white. But when you open it up, they're all the same. True. And that's the thing. People are like eggs. Outside doesn't really make a dang bit of difference. It's what's on the inside that matters. Absolutely. Speaking of eggs, what came first, the chicken or the egg? 
Oh, bother. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, there's a genetic mutation that caused the bird to lay the egg. I don't know. Or the <laughs> egg had a mutation that made the chicken. Okay, okay. I tell you what. After this life, when we get to that roll call up yonder, we're going to ask. All right? Meet you there. We're going to ask this question. Deal? Deal. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Jonathan Moll, for spending time with us. It has been amazing. It has been fantastic. And I hope you have learned as much as I have right now. I know it's not a mistake for me to have chicken as my favorite food. Yes. All right. So thank you so much. We hope to, of course, interact with you a lot more. And partner and do amazing things of course hey i hope to come back i have to say this has been with other than losing my luggage this has been an awesome trip <laughs> if you don't lose something you don't remember like it makes oh i could have remembered <laughs> no like the losing of something makes you remember like it really if, if everything went smoothly there would not have been something that is different you know, you, there's a bit of wisdom in there. It's the reason we go camping. <laughs> we like the misery. We, we remember the camping trip because we were so miserable. The bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. It's a wrap from us right here on Shana FM 99.9. My name has been, oh, my name is, it still is. My name is Vasher. And just enjoy your afternoon. No, nope, it's not anymore. <laughs> Nafsi angu msifu wana Daddy Owen once again